Testing. Very good. You guys can hear it? I only hear you outside of the mic. I think we, oh, there we go. That's a lot. Is that here. it? There we go. Is that it? That was I'm keeping one. this on the thing. That was the one. I'm keeping it, you man. Need this? Uh, yeah, I'll get that. Let me mute everything. That was awkward silence for a second, but all good. <laughs> Cheers, gentlemen, to our Wait. vodka water. Salud. <laughs> Salud. It's just, it's just water. Adam Frankel, thank you for being back on the podcast today. Thank is you for having us. The twenty seventh, right? Twenty seventh of December. How was Christmas? Uh, Christmas was great. I I typically don't celebrate it, but um, I spend time with my girlfriend and her family. Nice. Uh, you know, being Jewish and raised Jewish, uh, I never celebrated it, but I appreciate um, how it brings family members together and spending time with kids. I think it's really fun. So uh, I don't. Nice Christmas for me. Nice. For me, same. I mean, I spent part of it with my family and part of it with my chosen family. So it was very well-rounded. Got to see a lot of high school friends and connect with their parents. And I got to see some of my family. And it was a good time. Yeah, really successful Christmas. Um, You guys were here not too long ago. Uh, I want to cover some basic questions of Beachside Moto Company. Moto Co. You guys go Co or Company? Club. 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 Yeah, Beachside Moto Club. Um, but it, it, on the shirts, it's co no, no, no. It's always been club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, there is a, that's question number one. You know, you know, cl- a club or a co. Not a company. Yeah. Because what is it? Bike bike shed goes co no or they yeah, do club. They're they're bike shed moto co. Moto co. Yeah. Got it. How did Beachside Moto Co. Uh, club come to be, and what inspired the creation? And I know we covered this, but you know, just a quick explanation yeah. for this um, episode. Yeah, just a basic overview of, of what BMC is about. Uh, Franco and I met at a uh, local motorcycle meetup uh, with VVMC and then at the Motor Socials, and we came to a realization that there's a need um, for you know another way to build community. Um, and for us, um, you know, putting on these massive group rides for people ranging from 75 to 125 people it was a good way of supporting local businesses that maybe struggled during COVID. Good way to get people together um, uh, for social reasons and to make friends. And so we started it and it sort of blew up. And I think a lot of it is because it's passion-based. It's giving back to the community and people feed off of that. Um, there's no outside motive outside of building community and making friends and supporting one another. Right, absolutely. Just growing our network, making friends, and uh, it's just a bunch of people volunteering to put on organized rides and take people to new venues they haven't been to, and it helps with people who are new to L.A. as well. So it's just a perfect common common interest for motorcyclists who want to explore more about what L.A. has to offer. Um, and I did have uh, two or three people reach out to me after the podcast we did, Anybody that's traveling to LA can join this, right? Oh, a hundred percent. We get a lot of. People. That's what you guys encourage, and then that, and that's yeah. kind of what I told them. But you know, so they can hear it from you. Yeah, we've had people who are just um, here after being like here for a week after moving from Europe. We have people from other cities come down. Um, people visiting. Uh, it's you know it should be a part of your vacation if you're in town. You like bikes and there's uh, a ride. Join. There's a ride. Come hang out with us. 
Um, and we also encourage people who don't ride but appreciate motorcycles to just come hang out with us. Again, Bring the kids, take some pictures, meet some cool, interesting people. Yeah, like the kids love seeing all these bikes. Um, it's another way to socialize and meet people. If you appreciate bikes, you want to meet people. It's a great event, too. Uh, Franco, d- does uh, BMC have a mission statement? Our mission statement right now, it's not super formalized, but it's really just to organize group rides and um, bring people together. Um, I don't know if, Adam, you want to add anything to this, but it's just um, kind of providing a very inclusive and diverse group of individuals of all experience levels to have a safe space to talk about motorcycles and just ask any questions or link up either at a beachside ride or afterwards. Yeah, I wouldn't say we have a solid word-for-word mission statement. Um, but word Yet. But words that we um, emphasize are inclusivity and diversity um, and building community. Those are sort of our focal points. Um, we know there's other events outside of riding, um, but there's a lot of events that require a certain... Um, a certain motorcycle or a certain car or a certain passion. There's sort of limitations where we sort of focal, um, our focal point is making it broad. Um, if you like bikes, doesn't matter what kind of bike, how experienced you are, what kind of riding you do, um, join us, hang out with us. Let's, let's be friends. Um, so again, that's where the diversity and inclusivity sort of comes in. Frank, Franco, um, I want to hear it from both sides, uh, a, a success story of, of a ride and putting together and, you know, I mean, this, this podcast is a success <laughs> story, but, um, you know, success story from, from these group rides that you guys have uh, put together, uh, the business, et cetera. Gotcha. I'm going to probably go with the North moto. So we collaborated with another moto club, um, in orange County and we came together but bounce some ideas off each other, and we hosted a massive group ride that had about 140 riders. Met up in Santa Monica Love Coffee, and we went over to Sagebrush. That was July of 2022, and, um, I mean, everybody had a great time. It was very well managed. A lot of BMC crew members were there to take care of riders, either with blocking, being at the back end, making sure nobody gets lost, North Moto just had an absolute blast hanging out with us. And, um, I mean, it took quite some coordination managing such a large group, but we've had a lot of rides before then. Our experience kind of came in, and, and everybody was safe, had a blast. And we're in talks about returning the following year, um, same month, but trying to do a collaboration with more clubs. So, I don't know if you want to add any more to that, Adam, but that was probably one of my favorites. Well, let's talk about a separate one. Okay. Another one. Um, One thing that I think is special to me is uh, in December um, and November, we tried something um, that wasn't the main ride, but a side event. In November, Franco took on the lead and coordinated with um, uh, Carolina at Queers on Gears, and we put on um, an event for Halloween, that was safe for uh, people in the LGBTQ um, uh, community. And then also in December, um, our uh, one of our lead members, Natasha, and the rest of the women on our team 
hosted a women's only ride through BMC, which had about 40 women riders uh, come together. Um, it, w- it was special to me because we're showing the community we care about them, and I think the community really appreciated that. And uh, it's starting to bring new faces. Um, people are starting to feel safe around our community and come more often. And I think that's sort of the idea. This shouldn't be like a, a one-time thing. Obviously, if you're here on vacation, you want to check it out. But if we could get people to come consistently every month and put it in their calendar, we feel safe with these people. We love these people. Um, you know, that's sort of the objective. You love people yeah. in general, yeah. Yeah, we, we love... Um, the idea of community, um, putting on these sort of special events to support women um, and other focalized groups to come to our main events uh, is sort of the idea. So to see how successful both the Halloween Ride with Queers on Gears was and our women's only event um, was really exciting for me to see what the future brings. You guys did a, 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 a toy run too, right? No, because no. um, I, I saw Christmas lights or I saw a whole thing. I'm just assuming that. No. So um, our friends over at VVMC, they host their annual toy drive, which is really cool. I unfortunately didn't get to go this year. Um, oh, but sorry, Franco, turn this way. Yeah. Franco can touch more on the success that VVMC finds uh, with donating toys and money to to children in need. So. Yeah, they've been hosting this toy ride for over a decade now. And a couple of BMC crew members and I showed up. They collect toys the night before the toy run. And they just had kind of have a hangout. This past one was at Clutch in Venice. Hundreds of toys. People donating money online. VVMC does a toy run at night with all the funds they collect. And the next morning, a ton of motorcyclists come by. To the to clutch and strap on these toys on their motorcycle as many as you can wow, fit. That's so awesome. And VVMC led a ride through Santa Monica, through Venice, through the canals, ended up at Muscle Beach, parked bikes on the basketball courts, which is the only time of the year you can do that. Really, and that sounds so cool. I mean, everybody was dressed in their best holiday uh, Christmas sweater or outfit, and uh, all the toys were. Um, given away to a local charity and partnership with LAPD, the Pacific Division. And it's just a wonderful time. Everybody just has a huge smile on their face, spreading the holiday spirit. And uh, it's not my first, and I love coming back every year. That's that's outstanding, man. That's that's great to hear. Those, those kind of rides or those kind of charities or those kind of causes are just beautiful. And it's that time of year, you know, especially with all the craziness and madness. You You, you need to hear more stories like that. And I don't think people hear that. Uh, what sets uh, what sets BMC apart from other clubs? I'd say we try to switch it up. We really do. We ride to different venues, meet up at different spots, um, and uh, we take care of our groups. Our, you know, as we have large group parades of motorcycles, if they get split apart, we make sure that everybody is isn't lost trying to find their way after being at a red light for a few minutes and the rest of the group kind of goes away we do our best to communicate within our crew during the rides to make sure everybody knows where they're supposed to go um safety is our number one priority all the time and um i think including some of the special events we've hosted like the costume contest on halloween with careers on gears 
the women's only ride, all of that has been very, very unique. And we just try to provide a different twist to uh, what you can do with groups for the motorcycle community. But Adam, do you want to add anything to how we're different? Um, you know, there's a lot of great groups out there. Uh, I think one thing we're pretty good at is providing a large, consistent group ride. Um, there's a lot of groups where you're going fast, you're going long distances, uh, but those groups are typically smaller um, and doesn't necessarily provide the social aspect of it before and after the ride. Um, I would say that's one of our specialties is, you know, we're almost consistently bringing out over 75, 80 motorcyclists. Um, and we have fun before and after the ride. It's not necessarily just about just riding. the ride, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's many groups that have found success um, in their niche. And uh, for us, I think it's the social aspect before and after the ride and creating this parade effect uh, that we have because of the size of our rides. Um, I, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I know you guys post a lot about it. But how... How would you explain the the people that see the bikes going by? Because you, you just said it's, a, it's a, almost like a parade style thing. How does the public look at it? Like, are, are they are they angry? Or are they pulling out their phones and recording it? Or are they excited? Like, what, what explain that? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of uh, what you just said. For the toy ride, it's so fun. Everybody on the streets is just waving hysterically. The kids are waving at Santa because we have people dressed as Santa on the toy ride. Um, but for that and with all the toys attached to motorcycles, that's a one time a year kind of thing. You don't see that very often. So it's a very inviting kind of sight. Yeah. When we don't have a themed going theme going on, um, actually for the costume contest as well, a lot of people were just having a blast watching all these characters on motorcycles you can tell people are in costume because you've got like a Sully from Monsters Inc. or a pirate nice, yeah. or a Kill Bill, like the yellow suit. It just looks cool. People love it. Sometimes, um, if people are in a rush and it's not a Halloween theme type of ride, it's just a parade of motorcycles. You may get people that are a little impatient and don't want to wait for the parade to pass for them to take their light or make their right turn. Um, but for the most part, I'd say it's a lot of people pull out their phones and record. Um, but uh, it's, it's almost like um, pedestrians or people that are not in vehicles are enjoying. They love it. And then people in cars are being typical Los Angeles. That's angry. yeah, I'd say so. If you're on on your foot, you're probably not rushing. Right. You're not trying to get somewhere. You're walking. You're taking your time. Nobody wants to rush when they're walking. Yeah. So they have the time to pull out the phones and take photos. Or if they're on a FaceTime call, they point the FaceTime call That's to show. Is, yeah. yeah. But if, yeah, like you said, if you're in a car, you've got somewhere to be, you might be on a crunch, you got to get going. And sometimes cars get a little too close to us. <laughs> yeah, I think also it comes down to the neighborhood too, right? Like if we're going through a small community um, where there's not a lot of cars and there's families walking with their kids and stuff and the kids are waving at us. You know, a lot of our riders, people who come will start waving back and it sort of creates this... Um, that feeling but of course if you're going through a high traffic car area with a lot of lights um i think we're more focused on getting places safely and people are worried or like focused on getting to work getting places but when you go through a little neighborhood and they're just walking with their kids they appreciate it so like when we're at love coffee bar um right there on ocean park it's a residential area for the most part 
people are walking with their dogs and their kids and they stop by and then when we leave they're waving at us so i think it also depends on the environment but you you see both sides you see people who are like covering their ears like who are these people and then yeah you get people who are stoked and the kids are waving and they're filming and all of that so do you guys try to keep the uh, the revving of loud motors like at stop signs and stuff like that? Do you guys try to keep that down? Like, is there any hey guys? Let's you know we're we're in public. We're we're a group. We represent mm-hmm. each other. Can we? Yeah, we for the most part our community is pretty respectful. Um, so when they pull up, they're not revving obnoxiously at eight a.m. in the morning, nine a.m. in the morning. Um, and we also say you know when we're going through neighborhoods like. You know, no excessive revving. Um, let's be respectful of the community. So I don't I don't think, you know, maybe one or two times we had someone, um, you know, being excessive. But uh, for the most part, our community is very. Um, Have you guys ever asked anybody to like, hey, sorry, man, this is kind of like you're embarrassing us. <laughs> <laughs> we, rocks. I mean, we've had um, no more than one or two incidents incidents where we had to talk to them and say um for future reference or um you know you're doing this if if you could help us out by not doing this but we've never had to kick anyone out we've never had to send someone home um how do you do do you like do like a reverse psychology like hey bro i think something's wrong with your motor (laughs) it's being kind of loud you want me to check it and they're like oh no i got it like (laughs) so yeah yeah, go ahead one of the ways we enforce the kind of atmosphere that we want to keep being respectful is um, in the pre-ride remarks before we take off to our destination. So we'll say, hey, this is not a race. If you're trying to get there as fast as possible, we'll meet you there. We're going to be very mellow. We're going to take a one lane. We're not going to cut people off. We're going to stay in formation all the way there. It's a super chill ride. If you you want to get somewhere in a hurry, we'll, again, meet you there. Um, but if you're going to ride it with us, you got to abide by these rules. And for the most part, we haven't had any issues. Um, and that, again, attracts a certain crowd of motorcyclists. So people that are into the social aspect more so than long-distance riding. They understand. They just want to be part of the crew and get there at a chill pace. Um, but uh, we don't have, like, stunt riders doing wheelies or burnouts at the meetup spots. Um, we don't have excessive revving um, and so that's kind of the, uh, the image that we try to keep. It's just super mellow. No, it's, it's very organized and mellow. How much, uh, pre pre planning is there for, for each, each ride? Like, give me, give me some behind the scenes because some people just show up and coffee and this is cool, man. Like I can do this. And it's like, no, how much pre planning is there? And, uh, and curiosity, do you guys have a communication system like a scene as walkie talkies, something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's funny, people, we, we've seen it quite a bit, say, oh, this is cool, I'm going to start my own. Yeah. And I don't think they necessarily understand the logistics the logistics that go into it, from planning the perfect route, um, communicating with the team to see who's available when to do a test ride, and then we do a test ride at the exact time that we would do it to sort of uh, understand the timing of it. Um, then we got to organize with our destination and see if they could host us. Then we put together footage, uh, you know, showing, hey, this is our destination. Meet us here. Um, then there's promoting the event with our flyers, getting people to share it, uh, word of mouth. 
So there's a lot of work that goes into each ride um, to make sure that it's successful for the most part. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a lot. It is. And I'm sure it's more. Than there's that. more. You got to think about parking, right? The venue that you want to host your meetup spot or a starting point has to have enough parking for 100 and something motorcyclists. Their actual venue, because we always try to go somewhere that provides either coffee or lunch. That way people can eat or uh, hydrate. They have to have a big enough venue to just take 50 orders within a 30-minute window, you know, because we just kind of, like, reach their peak of business in the mornings or at lunch when we arrive to the destination. Um, And so we need to talk to the venues, the management, right? Adam's been really good about creating specialty menus with some of these uh, venues so that we have our logo on the menu. Yeah. And meeting up with the owner or the manager during our practice rights so that we can ask all of our questions, you know, where people are going to park. Do they have a place for us to make announcements if needed Um, and just kind of uh, iron out all the logistics. So, and in terms of your question on the comm systems, we do. We have Senna's for the most part. Uh, most of our crew has Senna's, which helps a ton with safety. If you can communicate with people all the way in the back. 100%, yeah. It just It's a game changer. It makes sure everybody's on the same page on when we're going to turn, where we're going to wait at the light, what's going to happen next, what lane we're going to take to make that left turn. All of that is so critical. And if you can communicate with your people, with the leads, the mids, and the back, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it's, it's helped a ton with our success moving forward. We implemented it come June, and now we're almost we're making it a requirement that, like, if you want to be a part of the team, like, you need to be able to communicate during the rides just to be as safe as possible. So, um, it's, it's and communication's huge, key. Yeah, it's been huge. It's been huge for um, our success moving forward. It's it's funny because I I've been riding twenty plus years and. And I got my first scene like three, four years ago. And just with a small group, like, I was like, wow, this is like, hey, so-and-so, watch out, man. You're too close to the edge or you got a car in your ass or there's a car in our ass. Let's just move out of the way or whatever. Your your lean angle is a little bad. Or, you know, I've been able to catch people like, hey, you're taking this turn. You're on the wrong gear. You know, I can like tell them, like, you're on the wrong gear. Obviously, that's why you're, you're awkward. And I, I feel like a stormtrooper or mind reader because you're just looking at helmets and you're communicating. And it's 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 so it's so awesome. It's such a luxury. It's I such mean, a luxury. The amount of people that think it's a distraction, like they have no idea it's not. And it's super necessary. Super. And you guys are using the, the mesh mode? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and w- what is mesh mode? Just for people that are listening to this and are not familiar with the scene is. Yeah, we uh, before we get on our bikes to line up to take off, everybody turns on their comm system, goes to the same channel that everybody's on, and Senna makes it super easy. Um, get on the same channel and you just say, "Franco here, can you hear me?" Get a confirmation from somebody on the other side, and you're good to go. Um, the range is pretty good they have a little antenna that you can pop up to get a little bit more range as our group disperses and gets further pulled apart having that extra range really helps yeah and and, and just to expand a little bit more on the mesh uh you basically send as an intercom system that hooks up with your phone to make phone calls and you can personalize individuals to do conversations but when you turn on mesh mode it's just on this open uh, frequency that anybody on mesh that has a Cena 
or Santa can communicate with each other. So once you turn that on, like, you know, and then if other writers join and they put on mesh, they can kind of get an idea of what's going on. So it's amazing. And you play music and take your calls and, I try not to take calls on it. I remember at first I was like, I really don't want this on my helmet. I sort of ride to get away from my phone and music and everything else. But um, I always use it when we're doing our rides because it it's um, super beneficial. You know, we have anywhere from 10 to 15 team members orchestrating the event from a ride. So we all need to be on the same page. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, like I said, it's been a huge game changer. And like you said, the mesh mode, it's great because they bounce off a person. So, you know, when you got 80, 90, 100 motorcycles lined up, the guy in front is quite a bit far up in comparison to the guy in the back. But because of the mesh, it bounces off each other. Yeah, and it So adapts. that we're able, yeah, we're able to communicate from a far distance. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm done with these questions. Where It's clear who you guys are and what you guys have accomplished. And again, congratulations on that. On another note, how are you guys doing? How's life? What's going on with the events? Oof. What's what's look? What are we looking for? 2023. What are the goals? What's what's happening? Are you guys excited? We are jumping out of our seats. It doesn't look like it, but we are. Yeah, <laughs> we it's, have it's be a good one. So much planned for 2023, and uh, it's been building a lot of momentum. And um, I can't wait. I can't wait for the event, the Beachside Moto Club Campout. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about it, right? It was we top didn't. secret. It was proprietary information, need-to-know basis only. So tell me more, <laughs> tell me more. Well, um, we want to continue to give more to the community, and there's other groups, uh, organizations that put together these week-and-away campouts, overnight campouts um, that have found success. And a big part of our community is very much into it. Um, I grew up most of my life uh, spending time in Kernville. My folks bought a home up there when I was very young. I spent every summer up there, almost every other weekend up there until I got older. Um, it's a special place in my heart. And for me, I was like, we could do it here. We could put together a really fun event. There's tons of rides, uh, routes that we could do, ton of fun events. Um in Kernville Camp Out by Biltwell, they've had an event up there, so uh, it's very motorcycle-friendly town. Um, but we're trying to put something very unique together, uh, some fun events throughout, and we're adding the whole group ride uh, aspect to it, which I don't think other campouts do. Uh, so our main event is going to be a large group ride around uh, Lake Isabella at sunset. We've never had a sunset ride because most of our events are in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we'll come back, do raffle giveaways, and then we'll party it up at the saloon, uh, which we've partnered with uh, to do a fun karaoke night for our community. Um, we got a, a, a ton of other events that we have planned, um, from fun hikes to a ride to the 100 Giants to desert photo shoots on your motorcycle. Um, we're really excited. It's been a ton of work. A ton of hiccups, a ton of things we've learned um, to adjust for future events like this. Um, but, you know, tickets go on sale January 1st. And where do they buy them? Uh, they could go to bmccampout.com. It will take you to our event. There's a link right here. <laughs> Click the link. Click, Click the, the link. link. <laughs> It'll take you to Eventbrite. There's um, not going to be a link yet. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> bmccampout.com. 
Um, or you can find it on our Instagram. But the first week we're doing like a pre-sale, so discounted tickets. Um, but what's great is our team having so many different uh, mindsets and opinions and interests. We're providing so many different options for people. If you like to camp, you could camp. If you don't like to camp, you want to stay at a hotel, we have that option. Fishing. Um, I don't know. We have other activities outside of motorcycling. Killing bears. <laughs> we are not killing bears, <laughs> Robert. <laughs> we need to control the environment, the predators. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to harm any animals. But, um, you know, if you want to trailer your bike up and do the activities because you have an older bike or you want to bring a dirt bike up with you, we're going to have so many different things for people to do, both uh, riding and not riding. There's going to be a car show up there, a pet parade, um, so, Frank, if you want to touch more on it, but we're, we're really excited to offer this, um, and we hope that everyone um, sort of gives us a chance, since it's our first time, buys in and, and, and experiences it with us this May. And this sounds like fun. It's going to be a blast. I hope I s- to see you there, Robert. Yeah, um, I'm there. We are taking over pretty much the majority of the campground, Ferrandi Campground, right next to the river. And we've got a ton of spots. Um, each campsite can host six tents and um at the frandy campground there's a ton of things that you can do there as well um we actually did a recon trip about two weekends ago to just iron out logistics and we talked to the owner of the campground and she's been very supportive of our vision and what we want to bring we're going to have turtle races which if you don't know what a turtle race is is pretty much um, the first one to get to the finish line loses. So you have to idle your motorcycle without dropping your foot down on the floor as long as possible until somebody brings their foot down or it gets to the finish line. Nice. Yeah, I've seen those. We're going to have those at the camp out. Um, it's going to be a moto camp out. So most people will bring all of their gear on their motorcycle and spend two nights with us. Um, so and people are bringing their own gear. Correct. They're camping, their tents, their sleeping bags, everything. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. But for those who may not want to camp, we do have a hotel option. So we've also talked to some of the hotels um, in the town, and they are more than happy to host us. Uh, and the hotels are walking distance, literally like two or three minute walk to the campground in case they want to come and hang out, do some of the activities there. So you can trailer your bike, sleep in the hotel, and participate in the rest of the uh, itinerary um just like you would if you would camp there so there's multiple what if you, what if you have a camper or van dun 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 well i mean I'm we've sure talked parking. about that yeah yeah. yeah yeah like we again it's a learning process like even just from building this event right um there's so many different things you don't think about um so, like, for the hotel, at least, like, we're partnering with Kernville Inn. So, if you call them ahead of time, you'll get a discount if you're with uh, Beachside Moto Club for the event. Um, but that's a great question. Um, you know, and we're constantly putting polls on Instagram to get feedback. Any questions that we maybe don't think about. Um, but the main idea is community. So, obviously, we're going to push for people to either stay at the campsite or the Kernville Inn. Um, just because we're going to spend so much time together. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. We, yeah. Cause there's, a, there's, there's a lot of people like, uh, just recently I had a friend of mine, he, he, he got a camper, a really nice camper. And, uh, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm here in Malibu. And there's like a little camping area by Malibu right before like Neptune's net. I never even knew that place existed there. And, uh, it, it was just, you know, like, why wouldn't he want to bring out his camper and 
you know, and join this event, you know. Well, part of the fun, too, is, like, we're all going to ride up together for yeah, Malibu. Of course. Um, so, you know, we're going to obviously push people to join us. It's a really fun route. We've done it before um, mm-hmm. with a group of friends. It's about 220 miles, but we're going along the ocean. We're going through the mountains of Ojai. We're taking the canyon up along the river. It's a beautiful ride. Um, so, obviously, we're going to incentivize people to do that. We're also planning on doing a pre-party event. Um, so in order to participate in all these events, you obviously have to get a ticket, but you'll receive a BMC campout wristband. Um, and so that will sort of be your ticket for the weekend. Um, what, what's the pre-party consist of? So the pre-party is... like the is, day before or the day of? No, we're we're going like to do it probably week? like two two weeks before okay, uh, location sense. to be determined. Um but essentially, you'll you'll get your BMC campout T-shirt, your wristband, your raffle tickets. Um, we're gonna have a team-led debrief on things to look at on your bike. You know, to prepare for this, how to pack your bike um, with supplies, answer any questions. Um, just because I'm sure we're gonna get people who maybe never gone a far distance on their bike, never brought supplies on their bike, maybe haven't done moto camping. Uh, so we want to prepare everyone as best as possible and sort of hype up the event. Are you guys working with anybody, uh, any companies or anybody? Let's say, for example, I don't have a bike that weekend and I need to rent the bike. Is there any, is there any rental companies? Or let's say I'm traveling and I, I want to do this because I'm like, this is so cool. I would love to do that. I'm going to take a trip down there. Do you guys have make any recommendations or work with anybody? I'd say we'd be on a case-by-case basis in the To reach out to you kind of thing. The support we would offer. If somebody doesn't have a bike for the camp out, but they're dying to go, reach out to us on Beachside Moto Club's Instagram, and we'll come up with a solution, most definitely. But um, as of now, we're not partnering with any, like, um, rental companies. But um, in terms of the pre-party, it'll be a blast. I mean, it'll get everybody's questions answered, and... um, on our event right now, there's a link to help purchase camping gear that we are suggesting in case you're not an avid camper. A lot of people are. Most, like Adam said, will be their first time moto camping. On our event right, there's a link with a bunch of information, a lot of supplies that some of our crew members have listed for them as avid campers. And I think that's a great direction to go in. That sounds very exciting. Something to look forward to. And what else do we got planned for 2023? Because uh, that's just one of many, many things going on, right? Yeah, um, that's our main event. And then obviously... Uh, Which is planning. the most exciting, yeah. That, that yeah, gonna that's be open gnarly. to the community. Yeah, um, For sure, we're going to start planning our second uh, team retreat, weekend away, um, for team bonding. We went last year up to Big Sur uh, over Labor Day weekend, and that was a blast. I think our team definitely got closer on a personal level. Um, you you mentioned that on the last podcast, uh, and, and you guys are, are it, it sounds like a great experience. And, and the fact that you guys are having a team building getaway, but but nobody's getting paid, right? Like this is all passionate people, like mm-hmm. downtime. This is what we love is, to do. This is this is like, hey, we're we're collaborating, we're working together, we're but doing this because we, we do it, and 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 then you do these trips that build the team even stronger it's it's very impressive well we all love to do it right like the people we have on the team love giving back love motorcycles love the team um our like i said our team's gotten close just from that trip but 
you think about it, a, a weekend away up to Big Sur on your motorcycle with it's your amazing. friends doesn't sound like work, right. right. No, it's I know, like, but but it's 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 still amazing. You know, like yeah. there's still logistics in the sense of those individuals have to explain to their significant other, <laughs> hey, I gotta, you know, it's work, you know, it's business, yeah. or I gotta get away, or like you know, like it, it's. It's hard to plan things. Like people, people think it's easy, but it's really hard. And and companies should do this kind of stuff, and some do, but most don't. Yeah, I I, I like the fact. Uh, can we talk about the team? What what does the team consist of, and and how did they all come along? So it's it's been a growing process, right? We're only a year in, and it started with um, a handful of us, and it's grown to over twenty people. Um, the process continues to develop. <laughs> Uh, we're moving in the direction of uh, people expressing interests and then depending on our needs, um, how many people, et cetera, uh, putting a prospective team together. So uh, we put a group, it could be two people, four people, and they go through a three-month pr uh, prospect period where they join the team, they help out with the team on minor things, and they see if it's something they want to be a part of. Um, very often you'll see someone very excited uh, and want to do it, but then they realize how much work it is, and then it's maybe not their thing, which is fine, right? Um, I think it takes a, a specific individual to want to spend a ton of hours uh, giving back to the community. Um, so we have this new uh, prospect period, which could change six months from now, but right now right. it's like three months where they hang with the team, uh, they watch the team. They learn about what we do. Um, and if they feel fit, like they want to be a part and it's working out with our team, you know, that we bring them on board. Uh, but again, it's constantly changing and updating. Right. And if, if a new team member comes on board, we've vetted them. They've been around. They get along with us. When they come on board, we have them shadow a more veteran crew member kind of just as a mentor-mentee relationship so that they can come up to speed on the roles that we have during group rides since we want people who understand their role so that way everybody's safe. Um, usually we'll have new crew members um, towards the back to just kind of watch how, we, how the machine moves and how it works. And over time, they start to get a little bit more and more responsibility within the group ride. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we don't. We take care of our newest recruits definitely, and they absolutely love us. And, and a part of it too is they don't necessarily need to be the best rider off the bat. They don't need this long resume of I've been riding fifteen years, I've done all this. Um, we're okay with getting newer riders who are willing to learn. Um, I think it's hard to find a seasoned rider who's older, who's willing to, you know, help out and help this parade ride. You know, those riders typically like to almost ride on their own. Um, but if you find a new rider who's passionate about the community, eager to get involved, um, and we could almost uh, groom them for these events, and then they become better riders. Like, I became a better rider riding with Franco and Jonathan and, and Forrest and Natasha and Nick and, and our whole team. You know, a lot of them are better riders than me. And I've gotten better over time. I still ride very slow, but um, yeah. But over time, you've gotten better. Yeah, a few miles faster. Um. <laughs> no, but it's true what you're saying. I mean, I mean, I think that kind of applies to everything. Where if you get a veteran that's just you know 
a knucklehead or like stubborn or like it should be done like this or it should be done like that or you know i i did a group ride and, and ran it for you know 10 years ago and it's like well first of all you know it didn't work out because you're not doing it anymore and, and, and second of all this is the way we want to do it and, and sometimes people don't get that and it's probably easier to mold newer riders than than some of the old school riders and we also mm-hmm. look at what they could bring outside of riding that's almost more important than the actual riding skill itself um, what do they bring? Uh, is it like that energy at the events or um, their organization skills, logistic skills, their communication skills? Like we preach communication. The only way it works is for us to constantly be on the same page. Um, and it's not even like a hard rule that you have to be at every event, right? We, we have families, we work, um, things come up. But if you communicate, hey, I can't be here, I can't be here, it's not an issue because we, at the very least, have 10 to 12 BMC riders who know what to do in the event that people can't make it. Um, so, again, it's it, there's growing pains. We're constantly learning. But I, I would say, um, quote-unquote, as a coach would say, off the court, um, our team gets on very well outside of riding. And I think that's really important, too. There's There's chemistry away from the bike, and I think that makes our team better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what background did you guys have that you're applying to to your business now? And another question on top of that, uh, how are you guys going to start monetizing uh, BMC? Because there has to be a point where this is, a, this is fun and it's great, but it could always be fun and profitable, right? Or be able to monetize, to, you know, because obviously when, you, when a business or when a community like this can get money in they can also give to others and you know charities etc so in terms of the monetizing um you bring up a valid point but um this is all of our passion projects and we haven't really tried to make money off of bmc in any way um at some point we were selling shirts but that was really just to offset the cost of like buying patches that we had to create for our crew members yeah but we, I don't, and I, I'm, I don't think we're trying to make this a profitable thing anytime soon. We just love doing it. If you do introduce having to make a profit, that adds stress, and now all of a sudden it feels like a job, and now you don't really want to do it as much. We all have nine to five jobs. We all work um, different careers, and I'd say we're pretty comfortable in that regard. And having BMC as just a purely passion, interest, love for the art of motorcycling, that's kind of where we want to keep it for now. Um, So for me, um, I used to coach basketball uh, for fun, sort of what I do for BMC, giving back to the community and having that impact there. And it grew to the point of now it's my career. All I do is basketball, basketball, basketball. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I do miss the the aspect of money not being involved and just giving back and enjoying it because it's passion. Um, So starting this was, okay, now I could do something to give back to the community, make friends and be passionate about it, not have that money tied into it. Now you bring up a good point about giving back to the community um, charities. Uh, We are working on trying to get sponsorships for our camp out to put back into the camp out to give to the community through raffle prizes and such. 
Um, you know, we're not making a profit off any of our events. We're not making a profit off the camp out. It's almost at cost, um, if not losing money, um, because things come up. But yeah, I think getting into this, I wanted to keep it um, away from money. And we've had people that constantly come up to us, why don't you monetize this, monetize it? But that sort of takes away the the fun from it. Um, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't want to create conflict or anything. Uh, first of all, there's nothing wrong. Like this, I don't know if you guys know this, but this might be episode 100 for the Right Balance podcast. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, because Forrest, Forrest was 98, and then mm-hmm. I had a gentleman, uh, 99. So this oh, is going to be yeah. episode uh, 100. There we go. Um, Bring it in. And and I haven't monetized at all. Like, like everything I'm spending and time and, and doing this. But, and I didn't want to because it's, it's a passion project. It's how I, it's my way of building my community and, and sitting down and getting closer with people and understanding how their brains work. But first of all, there's nothing wrong with monetizing. Second of all, I understand the, the purpose of it, but just think about the way that I think about it for you guys is look how much you've accomplished having your nine to five working on your passion project. Now imagine if you were able to focus on this nine to five and expand this into other cities, expand this into something bigger it gives back to the community. It's not for you guys to like, oh, yeah, you know, like, no, it's a passion project. You know, you charities, you know, they'll, they'll make 10, 20, 30 percent of, of the money, but the rest goes to growing, expanding, offering this opportunity to others, building a bigger community, you know, et cetera. So that, that's kind of how, because you guys are trying to say like, hey, we don't, we're not trying to make money off this. The, the moment you bring in money, you know, money's the devil, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, how will you grow it? Because you're, you're, you're going to reach a max on your time and your passion, because you have that nine to five, you know, and again, this is not now, maybe this is in five years. But but it's something I think you guys should consider a little bit more. I, th- I think we do. I could almost speak personally on it, you know, being a basketball coach. Um, I've had to sacrifice a lot for my passion, whether it's money, you know, um, just trying to get to the point where I want to be. And at times it's been hard. It's At times I'm like, is this really what I want to do? Um, and of course it is, and I keep pushing forward. There's a lot of hardship, but, like, that's what's so pure about BMC, right? It's like I have these hardships with my passion, uh, with what I do for work. Um, my getaway is BMC, and I don't have to stress about finances. I don't have to stress about, like, if I don't do this, I'm not going to make money to do this. I could go to it any time I please. Um, uh, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, that it can help us maintain and grow having that financial support. Um, so that's sort Backbone. of where, yeah, Backbone, and that's sort yeah. of where like trying to get sponsors to come in and sort of back us would help. Um, but for the time being, that's you know what or I love. Or about even a, a, like like what I started doing for the podcast that I'm going to be focusing a lot in 2023 is, is a lot of these affiliate programs. You know, just products that I use. You know, hey, I love your product. I want to be an affiliate. I want to talk about it. You saw your shit. Give me a percentage or whatever the case is. It's going to go back to the podcast anyways. But that's also added time and efforts on top of what we're doing, yeah. which is tough, right? We're still so small. Um, and like you said, there's we're going to reach a certain point 
where it's like, okay, this is too much. And like, it's trying to get a little bit of money or uh, financial support worth it just a little bit to push us to that point. Yeah. Um, and there's certain things like, um, again, I don't, I don't want to like, I'm, I'm creating yeah. conflict because all our conversations are so smooth. I got to create conflict. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> but it's but not really conflict. No, though. it's not it's conflict, but it, it's, it's, it's uh, these te- team building things. Like, you know, it'd be cool, you know, next, next year's team building uh, is, is paid for, you know, like uh, food's taken care of, lodging's taken care of, you know, you, I, I appreciate what you guys have done. And I'm sure everybody that joins these rides are for that. You know, they're like, fuck, you know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys deserve it. You guys, we, I've been to six of your rides this year. I've been to 12 of your rides. I, I, met, I met my attorney because of you guys. I met my wife because, you know, whatever the case is, you guys are doing something that people are happy to, like, you know, give to. Or be, be a part of or, uh, you know, be an affiliate or be a sponsor, you know. So, I, and anyways, like I said, yeah. maybe in five years or we're still babies. I mean, we're one year but you're in. Not. We're one year in. Who knows where we're going to be in five? We're going to be in a hey, whole no, other no. conversation. But, but that, but that's like, guys, I've been writing for twenty something years. Like what you guys have accomplished in one year. If we're looking at time, if we're looking at success in time, yeah, you're babies. You're a year in. But if you look at success in accomplishments and and logistics and team building and organization and pre-planning, you guys are above, I mean. Thank you, Robert. Most dealerships, most uh, clubs, most anything, you know, because if you talk about other clubs, I think some of the differences are you have to join that club to be part of that ride. You guys are getting a bunch of strangers, and you're organizing strangers to participate in something and, and follow through. And you guys are doing a great... You guys don't realize how good of a job you are. Understand how difficult it is for a dealership. Like, what's a dealership's dream? To bring more people into the door. More people they bring into the door, maybe there's a chance they buy a bike, right? What's a good way of doing that? Why don't we do, why don't we do a ride? You know? but, but what's the... What's the purpose behind it, right? The reason I think we've been successful is we're pure. We're n- there's no motive, right? A dealership, they're trying to build this to bring in money, right? They're trying to build this to build their name. Yes and no. But I think it makes it harder. Th- that, that's right? that's that's what is the goal in a sense. But a lot of a lot of dealerships, I, I've worked for dealerships, and you know, I. I, I I worked for a dealership, my first Harley Davidson dealership, because I, I was in the car business. And when I got into Harley Davidson, I had a passion for it. I fired every salesman. I had no salespeople. My people had no sales license. They were not allowed to talk about numbers. They were not allowed to talk about money or anything. They were customer experience managers. And they were able to talk about motorcycles, what colors they come in, the differences about motorcycles, cool rides, fun places to do, fun and if the if client says, well, how much is the payment? They'd be like, I have no idea. I'm not a salesperson. I can't even talk about it, you know. But I can tell you about the rides, and look, I can tell you what I did this week, and I can tell you that weekend, and it's just that experience. So as a dealership, I was really trying to create an experience, you know. So then they would focus on what they wanted and not focus on numbers or this, that, that. Well, I think that makes you unique, though. Like, if you think about I know there's rides out there that are backed by a company, a brand, and... They're trying to grow their name, their brand, their, you know, make money. And I think they maybe struggle because people naturally feel the 
motive. The pressure and the motive. The yeah. Pressure. Okay. They're they look at it. Oh, they're doing this to get money, right? People see this. They're like they're doing this out of the kindness of their heart and wanting to make friends, right? And there's something so pure about that. And for me, like I keep going back to the coaching. There's something so pure about just like spending hours and hours giving back to the community, working with this, these kids and the relationships I've built from giving back, um, you know, th- they're amazing. So I, th- I think people can naturally see that we're, we're putting in all this time for the community and they feel it. Whereas if we were a company and there's money involved and then we start feeling forced to start doing events because we need to make money off of it, I- it, it changes how we orchestrate. And I, I think people I under, feel that. I understand this. Franco, I want you to answer. Well, I want you both to answer, but I want to start with Franco. Is this what you guys are talking about? And I'm going to say defending. Is it sustainable? What we're doing, it is. Because we do it in our downtime. Don't have that pressure. It's not pulling our time from a nine to five. And I can see this doing for the rest of our lives. Because we just love um, group rides and bringing people together. I mean, obviously, the longer we do the same thing, the more we'll grow. And um, I don't know. I mean, it may be that a company wants to buy our logo or buy our brand or buy us out. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. Are, but what are you talking about? Sign the company and... I'm, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I mean, it could happen if the word gets out. We are in Los Angeles, um, yeah. and the motorcycle cycle community is super tight. But if we keep going at this pace, it gets easier, right? The first month or two was very stressful for us. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do, how we book venues, how do we get our crew members trained to do group rides. It's become easier as we go on. Now we have a practice ride coming up. We don't need to spend tens of hours a week to organize it. We know what we're going to get into. We know what questions we're going to ask the venue. It almost becomes muscle memory for us, and it it does get easier. And in that sense, we could keep it going for a lot longer. Yeah, I think if we don't force the issue, like if it came naturally that a motorcycle brand said, I love what you're doing, I want to back you guys, um, you know, we'd be open to that. I think going out of our way to monetize it is where the shift of culture, the shift of attitude changes, and I think it would hurt us. Um, you know, I try to incorporate, back to your question about have we incorporated what we do in our work lives into this. I have, for sure. Yeah, what, um, what are, I was going to bring that up again. What, 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 what skills and what have you uh, brought into this? Yeah, I think um, you a know, lot of you, from the coaching. Obviously, yeah, obviously. yeah, from coaching, and yeah. obviously it's different because you're working with adults. But managing a team, um, uh, making it a focus to be good communicators, um, scheduling games and events. Like I've had to transfer a lot of that into this. Um, you know, I talk about you know with Franco. I always say you know this is how I deal with it with kids, and I have to adjust with adults, but. Managing personalities, managing conflicts, um, being able to communicate to certain people differently. Like with a kid, right? You could have one kid who reacts well to being screamed at, cursed at, yelled at, and he excels. And you could have another kid where if you talk like that, they'll shut down. Yeah. And so learning to read people and how to communicate with people has been very important. We've had times where we've had 
uh, members say, I don't know if I could do this. It's too much. I'm stressed. Um, and learning how to communicate with them and show that we have their back, they buy in. Um, so it's it's been sort of cool to see how it translates over from working with kids and a team to then managing 20, 25 adults from all different backgrounds to buy into this passion project that we're working on. Um, so, yeah, I would say on my end for work, I've been able to push it into adapt it. Yeah, and adapt and learn. And um, it's sort of been cool to, to watch. Robert, you're getting a lot of the nitty gritty of my background here. <laughs> I want it all, man. It's not it's not me. We, we want it all. Like you the, know? the people, the give people the, give the people what they want. That's right. Where does Franco take come it off, from? Take it off. <laughs> yeah, we want to know about Franco. Give us more. Who is Franco? Uh, so I, um, in terms of my work nine to five, there's very little that transfers over into this. Really? Yeah. So I'm an engineer at an aerospace company. A lot of what I do is technical problems, technical work, working on 3D software. We design and build satellites. And really the only takeaway would be teamwork. But um, I've been an engineer for like, I don't know, seven years now. Um, Only? I've also been a part-time professor as an adjunct uh, faculty member at a community college. And I taught engineering classes there. And these classes are hard. I mean, you need physics and calculus as prerequisites to take these classes. Wow. So the students in these classes are already like, know what they want to do with their life. They want to become a They're chemical committed. engineer. Yeah. They want to be doctors, um, and, you know, any kind of engineer. And so through teaching, uh, to echo what Adam was saying, learning how to communicate with people of different worldviews, coming from different backgrounds, and almost... Um, just being a mentor to them. I feel like I've put on the hat a bit with Beachside Motor Club. When we have a new writer join us and they tell us it's their first group ride ever, I talk them through all the basics in a language that is easy to understand because I know having gone through school, I've got my bachelor's and master's in engineering and I'm teaching these students who are just starting. I know what they're going to get through. In terms of the motorcycle community, I've been in it for a long time. I know what they're going to get into, and I can explain all the kind of like the basics. So learning how to communicate with others has been something that I've transferred over from previous jobs to the motorcycle community within Beachside. And uh, I'd say that's probably my biggest takeaway in the, the way I transfer over some of these skills. Well, I, I think, you know, working with you for the last year or so, um, knowing what you do for a living, I think there's a lot more than what you think. I mean, just from uh, the perspective of uh, troubleshooting and having a backup plan A, B, and C, you're really good at that. You bring up questions that, like, I don't think of. Like, the smallest thing that's very important. And obviously, as an engineer, like, that's what you have to do. You, you're working with machinery and stuff that, like, if you don't check A, B, C, D all the way to Z, and Z, A, Z, B, Z, C, <laughs> it's like... There's going to be conflicts and issues, yeah. and he, and Franco's really good about, you know, taking a second precautions re, yeah, and reading through everything. What about this? We need to incorporate this. Yeah, I know. What, what, like what he's a, really what, good what at that. He's like, I don't bring any of that <laughs> yeah. in. But I, he, he, that. I guess he, I, he brings <laughs> he brings the technical aspects of being a, an engineer, and then he brings the teaching aspects of explaining 
and breaking it down. And he's That's, an amazing communicator, public yeah. speaking. I mean, he, he that does. Obviously, <laughs> this guy, huh? I don't use any yeah. of it. Yeah, it's all right? fresh. I mean, <laughs> it's just passion, you know? Like, no, yeah. man, you, you use your teaching skills and you use your engineering. And your engineering, yeah, you're not building something, but you, but talking to people, like, is, is yeah. so important. Like, if you have to break things down. If you just say... If, if you just give the instructions of, of a satellite and say, you know, the basics, A, Z, 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 some people, it just goes in one ear and goes out the other. Mm-hmm. But if you, if it's an experience and you describe it and explain it and why does A go to B and B, you know, then it's different. You know, I, I have a, I have my four-year-old. I have to, you know, I have to dumb down my language and explain why. And now he's in that why, why, why. And you have to answer those questions so they understand because... Otherwise, they're overwhelmed and confused. You know, this is why Adam and I make such a good team, right? We play off each other's strengths. Some of those things he mentioned, I didn't really think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I have at work. It's really stressful. Um, the satellite has to work a hundred percent of the time. It gets tested forever, years to make sure everything is flawless before it gets launched into orbit. And going through all that rigor. You know, it teaches me to pay attention to the details. What are the things we could have missed? What can happen wrong? Let's plan for that. And, uh, I, you know, Adam points it out really well, and I think he's able to notice that more than me as the one that is actually actively doing it. I think it's something that you get feedback on. Did you, uh, did you have anything to do with the James Webb telescope? No, I did see it before it got launched. but um, Impressive, huh? It's cool, yeah. I mean, that's our... Uh, the great thing about Los Angeles, two things. There's a lot of motorcycles, big community, and aerospace. <laughs> a lot of aerospace in LA. And that's that was a um, competitor company, actually. The competitor company? Yeah. Yeah, but very impressive. Uh, the, the amount of work they put into launching a satellite bigger than the spacecraft that opened up is mind-boggling. It's wild. Mind-boggling. And it's, I mean, it's, it's the first one, right, since the... Um, not the first one, but it's it's the biggest one, and the first it's a it's a million yeah. million miles away. It's um it's breaking a lot of records, is yeah. what it's doing. Because because re- the the what is it the Hubble, Hubble is the one ever was, was launched in like the sixties or seventies, and it's only had like a chip update. Yeah, if yeah. that, and it's, it was like old. It's like a old Windows computer floating up there, and it did great. Mm-hmm. It did great. The satellite industry right now is exploding. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to get too much into depth into it, but um, but it's interesting. It's, like, it's, people like it. It's crazy. I mean, our company is building so many satellites. Everybody wants them. So many startup satellite company companies. Well, that, that's to tell me if this statement. Well, tell me what you think of this statement. Uh, Elon Musk launching SpaceX. So before you know SpaceX, NASA. There's a handful of companies building parts for NASA, and those companies got to charge whatever they wanted. And obviously, they charged a lot of money because there's not much competition. And by Elon Musk starting SpaceX and other companies starting SpaceX, they kind of made this launching satellites and getting out of orbit more affordable and more competitive. And now you have, you know, uh, Virgin Galactic. Now you have uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, Blue Origin. Blue, Blue Origin. Mm-hmm. You know, you have now there's more competition. It's becoming more affordable. And now, I guess hearing from your mouth people want to have a satellite startup company a lot they're in south bay los angeles it's the mecca of aerospace 
that's where it all started. And satellites in what sense? Like for cellular service, Wi-Fi service, communications, or war? Dun, 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 Faster dun. download speeds on your airplane when you're crossing the country and you want to download a movie, you want to text your friends faster faster speeds um monitoring the planet our planet is in dire need of uh of help as we're excavating its resources and it's killing it we need to make sure that we watch it to see how it's doing so there are satellites that are watching the ice caps that can predict where storms are going um just the overall health of earth science there's that and then there's like military applications now what what about because I've also heard a statement, there is so much junk floating over our atmosphere that it's it's insane. And I, one of my classmates from uh, Pepperdine, he wanted to start a satellite company. He's, he was from Dubai. Uh, I don't know if he ended up doing it, but he, he mentioned the junk. And he was talking about like creating something to collect that junk. But I guess it's impossible. That, yeah. that's, it's a lot of junk, right? Satellites have a 10-year lifespan about. 10 or so, um, they die. And at the point of... But what, what, what caused them to die? Obviously. They run out of resources, onboard resources. Obviously, they have deployable solar panels that keep them running. But at some point, they die. And they just become hunks of metal orbiting the planet. And now there's a satellite graveyard. It's that just bad. Just floating around. It's just floating junk. And it's not just satellites. It's, it's, it's parts off spaceships. It's It gets stuck in the orbit where it can't enter the atmosphere and burn as it comes to Earth, and it can't float away because it's being pulled by Earth's gravitational pull. So it just floats around the atmosphere. And if there's a way for you to clean that up, your money man. will not be an issue for the rest of your life and for your kids, 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 kids. Yeah. But the, 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 um, the launch to space, the journey is way too expensive just to clean all that stuff up. So they just stay there. Nobody's going to pay to clean it up. And to add tech to satellites so that they can maybe change their trajectory just before death and float on into the universe adds more cost. And that's not what satellite, that's not what companies want to add to their already insane budget. Yeah. It's expensive, really expensive to yeah, build well. one, to launch it. Do you really want to add another quarter of a million dollars just to make it go away for the sake of? having less pollution in space no so they just stick there and it's kind of it sucks but it's just the way it is what do you think is more impossible or more difficult uh converting the ocean water into clean drinking water or getting that (laughs) dust (laughs) let me close the door real quick i'm listening yeah for sure it's gonna be um (laughs) turning all the like all the ocean water and all the Oh, turning, some of it? Turning ocean water into, into drink, drinking water. All like, of the ocean water into drinking water? No, not all of it, oh. but instead of making it another source of, uh-huh. of, you know, for example, like, you know, we get our water from springs and right. That's filtration a, and all that stuff. I've seen them yeah. try to make boats or ships that suck up water mm-hmm. and they try to filter it and get the salt and everything else, but it, it, it costs so much that it just doesn't make sense. That would be cheaper than trying to clean up our atmosphere that, that wasn't my question what's more realistic you know cleaning up our atmosphere or converting converting ocean water is more realistic because more the problem is here yeah. what's up adam it's more beneficial i think to the people i think it has a mm-hmm. direct effect ne- next time Absolutely. next time adam comes i'm gonna get a microphone that just like you know so no matter what oh <laughs> <can hear him. laughs> adam's got a good point 
he's talking about finding solutions on earth. Mm. And there's a big gap between where do we spend our money? Do we spend it on providing solutions to problems we have on earth or figuring out what's going on in space? Right. There's not, there's not a lot of fans of, you know, pouring all this money into space exploration. So, I mean, but it's, it's so more important. real. It is. It is for well, the things future come, generations. The things that come out of Not it, for too. Now. Yeah. The f- but, right. The new tech that we develop, like the electric drill started because the of the shuttle. Drill, so, yeah. 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 So that's the benefit of advancing tech and science yeah. is uh, you get a lot in return. Um, but figuring out solutions like turning ocean water into drinking water will happen first, for sure, before you sweep up the atmosphere or sweep up our low earth orbit. What, what if what if we instead of trying to clean it up and this will be the last of the satellite topic <laughs> I'm what, enjoying it. yeah what, what if you see people like this what if instead of trying to clean this up and bring it back and you know destroy it what if you were able to deflect it grab it and deflect it ah uh-huh. so they thought of this here's way. the thing robert um they're just hunks of metal floating, so you'd have to be able to know where it's coming. You'd have to get there, first of all. That's I, the most I heard expensive they're tracking thing. it, too, right? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they track the debris, because you have to watch out for that when you're launching. You don't want to hit anything. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a website that you can access in there. So, in terms of deflecting it, uh, it's easier said than done. Yeah. And we'll see. But, uh, but I think it'd be easier than bringing it back and destroying it, right? Probably, yeah. If you can like shoot Nerf balls at it and like change its directory, yeah, that or, would be or, or ship like a bulldozer with a deflect. I'm kidding. Um, Adam, random question. This is uh, almost a random question. Why do they call space space? Um, I guess there's so much emptiness out there. There's so much of it. Yeah, there's so much of it. Yeah. You get a lot of space. Oh, there's a lot of space in space. Okay, so so we finally did got. I pass? Yeah, you passed. I was just you did a, great, Adam. A, did a great job, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Space is wild. It's insane. Would it's you, what would got, you want to go to space? So, um, hell no for me. Yeah, Adam's a no. <laughs> I I wouldn't. I I wouldn't want to leave Beachside. That would mean I have to leave <laughs> Beachside. You what, mean a one way trip what, to what, Mars? What What about space side? <laughs> what about space side? I think we'd have to focus on starting another chapter before we go to space side. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, astronomy is what got me into science and engineering. Space exploration. That's what got me into it. I wasn't I knew I wasn't gonna be an astronaut. That's just too hard. I've got friends who are in the running to be an astronauts and every decision they make every day of their lives is to become an astronaut and it's just consuming. Um for me. I'd it's rather just a handful of people that get to do it. Huh? Oh my god, very small. You got to be the cream of the crop. I mean, you got to be groomed since you're a kid to be an astronaut. I mean, it's possible, but for me, I'd rather be in the space industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's I'm doing my part there. It's huge, man. It's huge. I, I've been watching it. Uh, my my I grew up. My mom was always fascinated by by astro- um, astronomy, UFOs aliens technology and she would always tell me stuff and i was like man it's just i've always found it fascinating that's that's my little there you go yes yeah, so, so you would be surprised like from what we all do in our different uh, work life how we incorporate it into bmc i mean that's almost a part of the prospect search 
Right. Right. Like Forrest, we brought in early on. We were like, it would benefit us to have an attorney on the team. And uh, when we have to type up disclosure agreements for the camp out and, um, you know, other stuff, like we have Forrest and we have a ton of team members from graphic designers to um, event planners that incorporate what they do in work to BMC. And I, I think that's, you know, tying yeah. it all back. Like, Franco doesn't realize everything he's done in his work environment. Um, he brings in on, on small levels to BMC in different ways. Like BMC, we're trying to be a well-oiled machine, constantly looking for improvements. Um, and that's something that he specializes specializes at work and brings it to, to BMC. And I think everyone on the team does that in a certain way. Yeah, of way. course. Of course. And to, to add to Adam, uh, where he was saying photographers right? People that understand content creation because a lot of what we do is promote on social, right? So we need to have people that know how to film, how to take beautiful shots, understand drone shots, which a lot of it, Adam does himself, right? Like he is a art director, but having (laughs) experienced photographers who are in the creative industry, it helps. It helps a lot. So all those team members bring something. No, it's again, it's a beautiful machine you guys have created. Uh, do you guys have any nicknames? Does everybody call you coach or anything like that? Me? Did I just start that? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just, hey, I coach. Th- I think some of the team members joke around and, and call me coach, like on our chat and stuff. I'm at BMC. They call me Adam, um, which is funny because at work, they call me Plax, which is my last name. Yeah. Um, working at a Jewish school, there's typically a lot of Adams. So, um, and I'm not someone to be like, call me Coach Adam. You know, you call me plaques, it's sort of uh, um, not so strict, I guess. It's a lot more laid back, and you have that relationship. Um, but no, I, I don't yeah. think we really, we just go by our names on, mm-hmm. on the team, for sure. Uh, a random question on your expertise of being Jewish and basketball. Uh, Adam Sandler's movie on Netflix. Oh, with uh, with oh yeah, I loved it. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> so I, yeah, like <laughs> I, I mean, I joke about it at at you know, I work at an Orthodox Jewish school, and I'll bring up like, send me to Israel, and I'll bring back you know a kid, you know, our Bo Cruz, yeah, uh, you know, the character from it. Um, I I mean, I love Adam Sandler, but I really like that movie, and to see him on a serious side, yeah, um, yeah, it was that one, and then there was that other one that was kind of serious, the the jewelry. Yeah, that one with Kevin Garnett, he was in it. That one was good, but I preferred the other one on Netflix. I'm blanking on the name, yeah. where he's like the scout for the Sixers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember the name, but yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. Nice. It's funny though when when I talk to people at BMC and they ask like what I do for a living, and I tell them I'm a basketball coach, they're like, "What? Why? That doesn't make sense." <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you do <laughs> motorcycle wife. riding and you organize this. Um, but before it, I was very much into marketing and event planning. It's sort of what I wanted to do. Um, so I've taken what I've learned from that and also incorporated into into BMC. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of fun things coming. Yeah, it's going to be a big year. I'm, I'm very excited. I was just telling, uh, I was telling Franco uh, when you were in the restroom that uh, th- this is the first year, 2023, I'm really looking forward to. It's the first year that I'm kind of like planning out the whole year you know, on, on what I want to talk about, what I want to discuss, what I want to implement into the podcast. Um, you know, 
Tell us about it. Yeah. We want to hear. We, well, what is Ride Boundless plan for well, 2023? Well, there's, there's a bunch of things that I got I to gotta handle uh, for Ride Boundless on marketing, uh, business strategy, monetizing, uh, collaborations, affiliations, celebrities, hosting, etc. So I kind of broke this down into 12 different topics. And each month I'm going to focus on that topic, you know, okay. of starting the brand and growing the brand and tips and do the research kind of, you know, learn it and then share it on my personal account and apply it on the ride boundless account. Um, and it's just, the goal is, is that within the 12 months I will learn all the skills necessary to make ride boundless into the next big thing, you know, and my main goal is to monetize it and grow it and have a staff big enough and a bigger location um, to get the message out there. You know, now I launched the blogs. So now when you go to the rightboundless.net website, you have the videos of the podcast, you have the audio of the podcast. Now there will be a blog written of each podcast of the guests that were on here, but like separately. So that's like, oh, here's a, because some people just want to read a blog, right? But then if they like it, they'll go to the video. And if they like the video, they'll go to the Instagram. Uh, so then there's a whole social media aspect. So it, it, it's just, I'm, I'm getting all these ideas and just, tightening it up, putting it into 12 topics, dedicated each month and focus on that topic and only that topic. So I'm not overwhelming myself. And then the master plan is after a year, I'll have all this knowledge and I'll be implementing it to ride balance and see what it turns into. That's it. Great plan for the yeah. full year. For the full wow. year. I can't wait to talk to you in 2024. Oh my see God, what you've dude. learned. My brain's going to be like... <laughs> like I, I don't know nothing physically <laughs> but it's it, it's 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 very uh and and like you mentioned it, it's kind of just gonna hold me accountable it's gonna remind me of what i gotta do it's gonna give me direction it's gonna give me commitment because sometimes you know i, I go back and forth with the with the podcast you know i'm like ride boundless or live boundless live boundless or ride boundless uh motorcycles only uh no not motorcycles only expand it more but a niche is good to have but you know like i i i, I question myself and it creates a lot of downtime where when i have a goal and a focus i'm like oh dude like the amount of stuff when i get down to what i'm gonna work on what i do in two three hours is insane you know like you know like you know i work for myself and and when you work for yourself when you don't have a schedule you you'll lose time you'll be like i gotta do this but you know what let me see and all and then four hours go by a day goes by you're like i didn't do shit and then when you're hyper focused and you have that what something holding you accountable the amount of like like i asked you guys last time when i launched the website to book on the website you know that that's when i just launched the website when you get a chance go to ridebalance.net start looking at the blogs Start looking at the member area. Start looking at the, the shop. Start looking at the homepage. Start looking. Just go through the website. There's so much information now that it's insane. I have, I started going back and I started doing blogs. Actually, I have, I, I did your guys' blog uh, from the other episode that's going to be published, I think, next week. I have four weeks of blogs published already, wow. you know. Uh, that are just going to be coming out. Um, I've I've changed all descriptions. Like like it's, it's it's it, things have changed. You're putting in the work, Robert. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. especially you know the, the feedback that I'm getting. Like yesterday, I got a call from my 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 good friend David Nixon, and uh, you know 
like these were the high school years. All right. And I have, I, you know, we talk to each other every few years. He just hit me up yesterday and he's like, dude, I moved to Oklahoma. Long story short, I'm driving from Oklahoma to Los Angeles to visit my son. And I, I was listening to Joe Rogan. And you can only listen to so much Joe Rogan. So I started looking for other podcasts and I stumbled upon your podcast. And I was like, really? Like, he's like, dude, it just popped up. And I was like, no way. This is Cubano. Fucking Cubano. <laughs> His name's David Nixon. He, he was in, back in the days, they would just call me Cubano. He's like, Cubano. So he started from the first episode that I had published on there. And he listened to like two or three. And then he jumped to the last one with Forrest. And he calls me up and he's like, well, he hits me up on Facebook last night as I was like, you know, organizing my plan. And he's like, dude, send me your number. I got to talk to you. And he just calls me up. He goes, dude, I stumbled upon your podcast. I thought it was so cool. From your first ones to the last one with that, with the attorney guy, Forrest, he's like, dude, like day and night difference. I'm so excited for you. I'm so pumped. I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is, this is what it's about. You know, this is exactly what it's about. For me, it's about having these conversations. For me, it's about growing. For me, it's about promoting, you know, people like you guys, um, uh, teaching, learning. Like, that's that's what this whole podcast is about. And now, episode 100, I'm now excited what episode 150 is going to be, 200. Yeah. You know, now I got my hit list of who I got to get on the podcast. There we go. Yeah. Who, who, if you could have one person... Tomorrow, show up and be on Keanu your Reeves. Really? Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. That's an easy one, right? Motorcycles. Yeah. Super Arch easy. motor, a gentleman, great actor, great movies, great person, great personality. I was just watching a, 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 a quick slideshow of girls taking pictures with Keanu Reeves, and he always has his hands open. Like, if you look, like, he'll put his arm around the girl, and his hand's like, he won't even, like, hug him. Like, this guy's, I don't know, Keanu Reeves is amazing. Uh, Tom Tom Cruise is another one, you know. Tom Cruise, like both, both ride motorcycles. Yeah, common interest. Right, yeah, right they there. both ride motorcycles. They fly planes. I flew on a plane. There you I go. Did like eleven hours of flying planes. I was Jay Leno girl. would be fun. Jay, I, he's on the hit list. He's on the hit list. That'd be Jay. a lot of fun. Yeah, talk talk about, and then I want to do more uh, kind of car things too. You know, I, I I have a lot of friends with really nice cars, and and I'm like, why not fucking cover more car stuff? You know, it is right balance. I don't want, I, it's weird. I talk about this a lot. I don't want to limit myself just to motorcycles, you know, because there, there's, there's satellites, you know, there's basketball, there's cars, there's, you know, attorneys, there's, there's a lot of things. Well, it could be a, a conversation starter, right? Like if they ride, but then you focus in on what they do for a living. Yeah. Um, and that's what it always is. Yeah. It's just people that listen to the podcast or want to listen see ride boundless and they automatically assume motorcycles so if they're not a biker they kind of it kind of somebody says i committed to keep the name ride boundless but somebody says look if you keep the name ride boundless you're preventing people that don't ride motorcycles to not jump on the podcast not necessarily not necessarily because like i mean you could almost change it to life is a wild ride yeah, no, right? life's and, a ride. And, and um, yeah, it could have the emphasis of motorcycles, but if, if you have it where it's like life is a crazy ride and, and you're meeting people of all different dimensions. Dimensions, doctors, yeah. surgeons, engineers. You know, so coaches. I, 
I like the idea of ride boundless and you can make it a twist that it's just a conversation starter, but life's a ride, right? Like so many ups and downs, like you'll probably have someone on here who started out as a, um, you know, something in logistics and sitting at a desk and then they follow their passion and now they're a doctor. Now they're, they're running something that's their own. Um, so, I mean, I, I would hate to see you change Ride Boundless because no, that's where it not, started. Yeah. You know, but to sort of change the direction of the purpose behind it, not being, you know, it has to be motorcycle focused, but it, it ties you together and life's a crazy ride. You know, like if you, if you roll off that and you're telling all these crazy stories of different people you have on the podcast, I think that's super cool. No, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's worked out. And, and uh, another good friend of mine, Perry Lee, he told me, he goes, I like the motorcycle topic because it's like, it's like, I don't know if you guys heard of Joe Rogan, but it's like, you know, how, you know, how Joe Rogan talks about his jujitsu. He loves his jujitsu. Well, your jujitsu is motorcycles. You know, I was like, I was like yeah, it kind of does make sense because yeah. I, I, I just have a passion for motorcycles. You know, I'm not an expert or anything, but I have a lot of experience and I like them. And that's, that's what I talk about. And that makes sense. You know, that Joe Rogan guy always talks jujitsu and fighting, blah, blah, blah. And it shows his kick. <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> Fucking guy. Eating elk. Eating elk, yeah, DMT. That guy's a druggy dude. <laughs> Fucking pothead. And I'm kidding, but um, yeah, I don't know. You guys want to cover anything else? When's episode three for us, uh, guys? You guys are more than welcome on the Ride Balance podcast anytime. What like, what month yeah. is motorcycles in your trajectory? Um, motorcycles is my jujitsu, so it's uh, oh, it's, it's com- it, it covers <laughs> all <laughs> so twelve months, all twelve months. Uh, okay, to be fair, I only want to talk about motorcycles during riding seasons in California. It's every month, <laughs> thirteen months a year. Yeah, thirteen Good months job. a year. But uh, that's, a, that's a bash on any other states. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I think for me, what would be awesome. I mean, you've had uh, Franco and I on here twice, and and Forrest, but. Um, I would love to see all of our BMC team members on here at some point and share their story, their perspective of BMC and also what they do for life. I mean, we have graphic designers, fitness instructors, um, you know, all different, uh, you know, all different areas of life. Walks of life. um, To the BMC team. BMC. um, I'd love to see you on here. Tell your story um, about your experience getting into motorcycles BMC, but just about you and 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 how you see life, I think would be really special for me. Yeah, send um, me send me uh, recommendations, and uh, you know, let's get it worked out. Like you know, you guys, we have four, we have Forrest on here because of that. Yeah. So uh, that's part of the community. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do absolutely. it. That that's and that's kind of another thing. I, like the goal, I kind of was doing one episode a week. I think my average is like every one, one every six days. So yeah, once a week, I want to start doing like two episodes a week, you know. But you love doing this, so it's going to be easy for you. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. You're going to get to two hundred real fast. Oh, so fast. Yeah, so fast. Yeah, guys, thank you for being here again. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the camp out. Um, and I'm looking forward to your guys' success, and I'm wishing you the best. And I hope your goals are even higher by the end of uh, the 31st of, of this this year, this month. Thank you, Robert. And and likewise, you know, um, it's been a lot of fun being on here, but just uh, 
learning more about you and your podcast and the people you bring on. Um, before this, I n- did not listen to podcasts, I'll be honest with you. But, um, you know, oh. you've opened a new door for me when I'm driving um, instead of listening to the same songs over and over again or to my directions. Um, I get to hear uh, you share other people's stories, and that's been pretty special. So kudos to you, you for, um, you know, the work you're putting in and following your passion and and trying to share people's stories through this. I think it's super unique and fun, and um, I appreciate it. So thank you. Not a problem. Thank you for the feedback. I can't wait to see you Cinco de Mayo weekend for the BMC camp out. Ya tu sabes. <laughs> ya tu sabes. Leave it that. Tickets go on sale January 1st, 2023. Make sure you go to bmccampout.com and uh, click the Eventbrite and fill it out, and we'll see you there. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Till next time. Till next time.